Hello, everyone, and we are live for the Fitness Business Growth Podcast, episode 26. I'm here with Aaron Moulton. How are you, mate? I'm good, Jamie. Yourself? Good, thank you. It's my second podcast for the day, but I've got guests like you and Jason Motley have to work around your, your schedule. So, mate, thanks for coming on. Cue the intro. We're going to chat about Aaron's journey from personal trainer to owning Vision Personal Training in the most affluent suburb in Australia, in Rose Bay. Welcome to the Fitness Business Growth Podcast, a podcast run by gym owners for gym owners. My name is Mitch, and along with Jamie, we are your hosts, and we will be discussing all the important things that you need to run a successful fitness business. From marketing, to lead generation, to sales, to retention, to staff, and much, much more. So if you are a fitness business owner, then this is for you. We hope you enjoy the following episode, and we will speak with you soon. Aaron, we're back. How are you, bud? I'm good. It's a good little video there, mate. I like that. I did it in camp for myself. Man, jack of all trades, mate. You definitely are. I would love to learn your story. So for those who don't know, Aaron owns Vision Personal Training in Rose Bay. I think the biggest thing I've learned, mate, from working with you is every single suburb in Australia is differently. Um, And it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all approach. And my first location in Curry Curry, New South Wales, could not be more different from Rose Bay. For sure. Yeah, every demographic's different, man, as we know. And... um, you know, a lot of a lot of fitness businesses do well off free offers, but a demographic like Rose Bay, they, they don't want free stuff. Um, so it doesn't really land for us. And that's, you know, something yeah. that we've learned along the way. But um, yeah, yes. It has its challenges because a lot of people think Rose Bay, affluent area, people have money. It's like they also go on holiday for three, four months a year. And yeah, people with money, they're not leaving their accounts open and catching up their sessions. They're, they're putting it on hold. And they're, you know, they're going to like, like right now, you know, it's July is peak European summer holidays. I'll be back in October. I'll be back in September. It's like, oh, great. You know, fantastic. We'd like to catch up those sessions. And some do, some don't, and some do maybe half and half, but that's a big challenge for yeah. cash flow. Well, well, mate, I'd love to talk about psychology, money, location, sellers. But first things first, I want you to introduce yourself to the audience. Three minutes, what is the elevator pitch? Who is Aaron Moulton and how did you end up owning Vision in Rose Bay? Yeah, so, hey, guys, my name's Aaron. I'm an English guy. I came over to Sydney February 2014. I was very much chasing sponsorship to become a citizen. It took me eight years to become a citizen, but quite the journey, a lot of visas. And my, my life to date has, has always been a lot about sacrifice. And from an early football career, when I was growing up, sacrifice, sacrifice, you know, not going out with your friends as much, getting to bed at a certain time. And you know, it's all been about discipline for me. And what drove my business career was my failures as a sports person. Like I always had the skill. I didn't have the work ethic. And dating back to when I came out of football, um, I actually was packing flowers in a factory for two really? years. Yeah, and that was the most embarrassing experience of my life because I was meant to be this football player um, who didn't make the grade. 
and I was brought back down to earth and I was packing flowers six to 12 hours a day, six days a week and having to keep up with the pace, you know, it was a production line. So, so just to back up, mate, you had like APL aspirations. Yeah, yeah. I had England looking at me when I was 14, you know, I played for Leeds in the academy when I was young and it just didn't quite work out for me because as a young player at 14, 15, you don't have the maturity, the mental capacity to do what it takes and nor do you understand that only 0.1% of kids actually make it professionally. And really, I guess, but at what age did you think the dream's over? Um, for me, it was 18. That's when I came out and I actually retired from football at 19, didn't play again until I was 26 because I just lost the passion for, for it because I was so regimented all my childhood and then to stoop down the leagues lower, lower and lower and then you know you're not playing on a level that you're accustomed to I lost the enjoyment out of it but um you know I wouldn't be here if, if I did make it so it's yeah it's just one of yeah. those things but and when you, back to- when, you, when you went back when you were 26 did you play sorry were you in Australia by then and did you play in the Australian league or yeah, yeah I just played for Balmain and similarly I did two years and then I sort of stopped playing again I'm 31 now and I haven't played since I was 28 because just the standard wasn't there and it's not enjoying enjoying for me I don't enjoy it you know it's it's not fun when people aren't on your um, I always had a good brain when I was a player um, and I guess I've took that into business but going back to you know, that flower factory, best thing that ever happened to me because it taught me insatiable work ethic. And then whilst I was going through that hating every single day of my life, six days a week, you know, there were four periods of the year where you would have to work 21 to 28 days in a row, like flowers, Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. Um, and there was another period I can't quite remember. And I was like, if, if I find something I enjoy and I, I love with this work ethic, like I'm going to do okay in life, I, I would suspect. Because if you can show that initiative and work ethic with something you hate, once you find something that lights you on fire, it, it could be game over, you know. Yeah, I think it's an, another Englishman's quote, mate. James Smith was on a podcast and it was with Chris Williams. It was, a, it was a quote around like, if you can succeed at a job that you hate, Imagine if you apply the same effort, same focus, same work ethic to a job that you love. And yeah. it sounds ridiculous for people that don't like their job, but I truly love what I do every day. And that's what we, what we have to get to. For sure. And, you know, there will be times in even the things that you enjoy doing, if it's fitness or whatever profession that you do or business you own, you've got to accept you've got to do the things you don't want to do. Um, but if that umbrella is lighting you on fire of the things that you do do, on a macro level than those micro tasks that you don't quite enjoy, get back to emails and, you know, all the things that you don't really want to do. Um, if you're in the position that you have to do them at that specific time, well, the big picture will propel that behavior. So mate, I just want to get to get a timeline down. So you're in the UK, you moved to Australia, you're 26, you play for Balmain, you finished there at 28. At what point did you get into the fitness industry? What year was that? So that was 2014. I literally did my course in England, PT course, September 2013. Took six weeks full time. And then I sort of took three months off to like just party, get out of my system. And then I moved to Sydney in February 2014 and got, yeah, got the job as a personal trainer at Rose Bay. I was 21, turning 22 at the time. 
Oh, so you were a PT at Rose Bay first? Yeah, yeah. So I was a PT cool. for 18 months. I was promoted to the manager after 18 months at 23 years old, which was a challenge in itself because everyone was older than me. You know, I was this new kid on the block, um, you know, worked everyone under the table. And it literally would have been, who's this English fuckwit coming in? Yeah, and all of a sudden you're, you're leading a team and everyone's, you know, most of them have been there longer than me and I just surpassed everybody because, you know, when they were at the beach or taking time out doing what they were doing, I worked 14 hours a day to take in as much learning and um, tasks and whatever I could to just improve my skill set, my knowledge, so that, because I always wanted a business. In fact, I, I sat in my interview with, the former owner, the guy I actually ended up buying the business from. I said, I want to own my own fitness business one day. I didn't think it would be that one. But <laughs> yeah, then I became the manager. I was the manager for just under four years. And then I became the owner. Um, the, the guy I bought the business from offered me 50%. I turned it down and he came back a week later and offered me the opportunity to buy 100%. Um, because I was working 60 to 80 hours a week for him, um, busting my ass, and he owned another business. And I think he was very acknowledging that no one's going to do that, and I'm not going to do it, so I'm going to have to sell this thing to him. And, and four years and later... Yeah, and I want to unpack that. So when he offered you 50%, what was your first thought, and why did you turn him down? Um, I just knew I could do the work myself, and I was young and hungry and... I just thought if, why would I do all of the work for 50% of the reward? Um, although I wasn't in the best position financially, like I'd saved hundred K it's not that much money even back then to be able to open a business, but he offered me a, a five year vendor finance loan and I'm four years into paying that off and I've got a year left. Okay. Far out. That's, that, that, that's quite a journey, mate, from EPL aspirations to a flower factory to an 80-hour-a-week personal trainer to owning Vision in Rose Bay. And, like, when you when you put that money down, when you said, I want to own it 100%, what was that feeling like for you going from where you came from in the UK to being in Australia and then owning a fitness business? Well, pride, because when we agreed the deal, I was 26 years old, um, I know people get into business at different ages, but how many people can say that they came to Australia with, I had six grand in their bank account. I turned that into a hundred in four or five years and I bought a business like it's, it's pride and hundred percent. Yeah. I was, I was really happy and you know, it's, it's something that I guess I'm very, very proud of and more so my journey since then as well, just growing into being a, a, a real business owner. 100%. And, mate, just one thing that me and Mitch always talk about is the ability to save money for a rainy day. Um, and we had a few situations in our life where we were short of money. We always had a little bit of a nest egg. We had 30, 40, 50K saved for the if shit happens day. Like, for example, COVID. So when you were saving that money going from six to a hundred grand, mate, did you have a, a plan in mind to invest that money into a business or were you just saving just for like, what was that money for? I've saved money since I was 12 years old because I was always, 
I will need money for an opportunity one day. Like if you've got money, you can turn it into more money. Um, and money creates yield. So that that's all it was. And I put everything into that business. Don't get me wrong. I had zero dollars in my bank account once I did it. And that's motivation enough to do the work to make it work. Um, and then eight months later, COVID hit. So it, it's been quite the journey. It's been very challenging, but it's completely changed my life. Awesome. And I guess like, Obviously, you worked hard before. You already had the ethic. You were on 80 hours a week. It would have felt like you owned the studio before you owned the studio anyway. But when you actually did own it and it was yours 100%, what was the biggest thing that changed for you? Not too much because I, I did genuinely treat it like it was mine. Like I would scrub the toilets. Um, I would do all of those things. It's... It's just who I am. I always do things with a lot of pride um, and standards. But the big step up was just the financial side of things. It was nothing operational because I've just been doing it anyway for four years. Like it's all I knew. Um, but the fact that you've got no one holding you accountable, that was different. Not that I needed too much. First year as manager, sure, I was young, had to go through a lot of learnings and I needed that support. But the following three years, I've come into my own. I know what I'm doing. But then when you're the one that decides on the marketing budget, how you spend your money, how you reward your trainers, how you incentivize um, clients, if it's referrals or, or whatever it is, that's a big step up. So just, just the finances, mate, to be fair. It really is different when it's your money. And it's almost like if you pay for a lead and it's 10 bucks a lead and, you, and the trainer wastes the opportunity, it's like, would you tear $10 up in front of them? And it's just making it really known within the studio that, hey, like, I'm paying for that toilet paper. I'm paying for that equipment. I'm paying for the fucking fire safety report. I'm paying for the ad. Like, respect my money. And how have you, like, how many trainers do you have on board now? So including myself, I don't work in the business. I haven't for, for two and a half years now. There's 10. So I've got a full-time manager and eight, eight PTs. Fire out. And obviously, I, I, I know Benny quite well. So is Benny the operations guy in your gym? Benny's the manager, yeah. Benny's the manager, cool. And, and uh, I've worked with Aaron and Ben for quite a while now. How did Ben become involved in Vision and what was his role in the business? So he came on board four and a half years ago as a PT and I was mentoring him. And it's funny, he sent me, I'm very direct and, you know, People these days wouldn't take too kindly to my uh, management style because for a lot of years, I couldn't understand why people just didn't work hard. I just didn't get it. I still don't get it. Um, but I learned to, you know, if your work ethic's here and theirs is there, that's okay. Just get them, get the best out of what they've got. Um, and I just don't feel disappointed anymore. I try and limit my expectations of people. If you have expectations, you, you're going to be disappointed, right? What was the question? Sorry. Benny, how did it Yeah. Like, how, how did Benny transition from like working with you to becoming like the, I guess, the manager and, and face the vision Rose Bay? So when I stepped out two and a half years ago, I hired my first manager. Um, and that was a female. She was fantastic. And again, she was ready for the role. And that was just before the second lockdown. Um, okay. Then she got through two years as manager and then she'd been with us for seven years and it was time for her to own her own business or, or move on. And she moved on. She left the industry, she's traveling now. Um, 
And it was just Benny's time. It was like, right, do I hire externally? Do I come and do it myself? Or do I give Benny the opportunity? He's been with me four years. He's been loyal. He he works hard. He's got good standards. I, I, tr- I trust him as well as you can trust any employee. And as you've seen and you've made some comments yourself, he's fantastic. You know, the business has grown 15% in the last six months and he's been the manager for for seven months and as someone who's new to that role he's took to it like a duck to water so it's been a pleasure to support his journey and um be a small part of it i guess yeah yeah so man like i just like benny if you're watching i am one of benny's biggest fans and the reason being mate is i'm in so many gyms so many fitness businesses and I've never come across a person like Benny who takes full ownership of the role. And it is he, he is the best entrepreneur, if we're going to use that word, that I've ever, ever come across. And I wish that every gym owner would have a Benny in there. Yeah, and I feel very fortunate. And you know what? There's, And I've, I've said this to Benny himself. There's two ways you can, you can get a promotion for me. And the, the way I did it was I just assumed the role before I was – assigned it and I was naturally progressed into it. Benny got there on on the opposite end. He was fantastic at his job, but he didn't do the extras to really like push and show that okay, I should be the manager. It was it was out of all right, you've got the potential, let's give you a go. And what he's done since then is just he's he is very, very good, I must say. And I, I do feel fortunate to have him. And in fact we will be going to, into business together in, in two years on my second location and his first. That is so amazing. And he mentioned that, but wh- where are you opening up your second location? So Benny is from Canberra. So it will either be Canberra or up north. Um, we don't want to do Sydney. Like there's not too many locations in Sydney left within the network, but also like we want to break into a new uh, territory. Like there's there's no vision studios in Perth, Adelaide. Canberra um so we want to take that step and because he's from Canberra you know he's part of him wants to do it because obviously he's got a network there he knows the areas or know the better areas to open but also part of him is like would you do one in England because you're from I'm like no because I couldn't but yeah because yeah, I'm from there I want to do something different a new area so we're undecided but potentially can and how do you how do you find working? I guess two two things really, but like number one, the majority of gyms open now are group gyms. Yeah, there are very 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 few personal training studios left. Tell me what that's like. Like, do do you find that because you are the only PT studio in Rose Bay compared to group, does it help you stand out from the marketplace? Is it that you can charge higher prices? What do you like about doing having a PT studio compared to group? Well, I think you just answered answered your own question. You know, there is far less competition. And for me, it's who do you want to help? Um, because I've, I've thought about selling throughout COVID. I went through some tough times. and I was like, maybe I'd be better off selling and doing my own thing. But then I realigned my why and my values. And I don't want to help 20 to 40 year olds lose eight kilos who are already training a sports bra. That's not, that doesn't do much for me. I want to help men and women that are 40 to 80 years old who do have high blood pressure are on beta blockers, high cholesterol, at risk of diabetes, heart disease. They don't know how to move and they need to lose 20 kilos. Like That gets me off a little bit more because I know I'm making more impact. Is it harder? Yeah, sure, it's harder. Do you have to charge more? Yeah, sure, you have to charge more. 
Um, but that's more fulfilling and that will fulfill my why longer term. I always say that like, like I breakthrough active similar. We only really work with women over the age of 40 and 50, but you can actually have massive, massive changes in their life where like you can help someone like, literally like, like lose 10 kilos and prevent a knee reconstruction. Yeah. Or you can help a 20 year old girl, nothing wrong with that, lose half a kilo of body fat that looks better in the right lighting Saturday morning after being dehydrated. Yeah. It's just very, very different reasons. And that's the thing. There's nothing like, like you just said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if you, people do enjoy providing those kind of results, more power to you. But that's, that's not where I'm aligned. Cool. And man, I had uh, Jason Motley on, really successful high ticket closer. And I know doing a bit of work together in your studio, what type of prices are you charging for your personal training packages? Like what is the, the entry program? And then what is the biggest one that you sell? So we basically, our services, PT sessions, small group training sessions to supplement what they do with their trainer. Um, and then, you know, community stuff. We did run seminars, shopping tours, um, events, Facebook community, goal setting, nutrition tracking, in-body scans. It's very vast. They do get a lot for, the, for their money. But two sessions a week, inclusive of everything I've just shared. Currently, we've just upped our prices from 147 to 157. Three is 217 and four is 277. So it is very much high ticket personal training. And <laughs> how can I say this nicely? Like, what is the type of person that you attract that pays 277 a week compared to someone who pays 50? Like, have you, have you, have you gone down the other route? Have you tried to have a group program? Have you tried to, to have a really low barrier of offer? No, because we simply don't have the capacity. We don't have the space. Like I've got a 250 square meter facility. Um, our group sessions, if they got more than 15 people in, we couldn't house that. So it, it's sort of forced on me, to be honest. Um, and I'm just trying to grow to the capacity of what we do. And, you know, many fitness businesses will try and put the bells and whistles on and forget their core offering and focus on the other things like, meals and merch and all that sort of stuff but if you if you focus more on selling what you actually do you'll make more money in the long run i truly believe that so just purely focusing on vision personal training we sell personal training yeah we don't eat, a lot of studios offer one a week they might charge 77 bucks 97 for one session we don't do that because again i just don't believe that's enough contact time to be able to get a significant result um, plus we couldn't service that because the sessions are also 30 minutes. Our groups and PT are all 30 minute sessions, which suits that busy, um, you know, even the mums like busy lives, everyone's time for these days. Um, because we've something we've also got to consider from a service delivery perspective is what's 30 minutes for us. If they live a 10 minute drive away, it's 50 minutes for them. So if it's an hour, it's one hour 20. And if people have jobs or they've got, get the kids to school or whatever it is. Like we, we also need to understand that. So when people like do a group program, for example, unlimited sessions, 50 a week, and they say that that's hard to sell. It's too expensive. How do you sell two, seven, seven, four sessions a week, half hour each? Like what is, what is your process to build enough value in your service to someone would pay two, seven, seven a week? Um, it's, we sell mostly two and three sessions a week. Our, our average session rate is the highest in the network. It's 2.2. So most people do two. Um, 
Some do three. We've got a few on four. Um, have we got any on five? I think maybe one person does five or six. Um, and it's just basically fulfilling their needs, what they want. Yeah, we do have someone on six, actually. Um, so if it's, yeah, I want to lose 10 kilos. Well, how long is it going to take to get there? How much accountability do you need? Because accountability is, is the key thing to anybody getting any form of result. At the end of the day, if people knew what to do, they wouldn't utilize any fitness service out there. Um, so I've just taught our sales guys and whoever's done it in the past, just fulfill the client's needs. It's not about how much you can sell and what price point. It doesn't matter. It all comes back around on you. Just fulfill that client's needs. And that goes back to the client that you choose to work with to begin with because a girl in her 20s is very different to a woman in her 50s and their needs are vastly, vastly different. For sure. And, you know, some people want to train more. Some people are happy doing two sessions in a group session. Some people hate group training and would rather do three PT sessions a week. Uh, but when I, obviously, I've been in the business, what, nine and a half years now. And we first, I think the prices were like 110 when I first started. So they've naturally just gone up as we've progressed through the last 10 years with inflation and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, if someone wants to do a bit more PT, they can. Um, that's where the affluence of the area does does help, I guess. But wealthy people are frugal. Like they don't just, and they're generally cash poor. All their money's tied up in investments so, and assets. So they've not always got loads of cash on hand, but it's a matter of priorities. Like if I'm sure people with less money go on holiday. You, you can't, and you pay for a holiday in full. It's not on a payment plan, right? So it's a matter of priorities. And that's, if you learn to ask good questions in your sales process through your marketing, you'll help people align with those priorities. And if people are willing to spend five, 10 K plus on a holiday, well, why wouldn't they spend 157 bucks a week? That's seven grand a year. And if they go on holiday four to eight weeks a year, it's more like six K, right? So it's aligning their values and helping them understand that this will help them achieve X, Y, and Z and prevent X, Y, and Z. Who are your sales heroes, mate? Who do you look up to? Who do you get training from? And I know you've done a lot of sales. You sold massive personal training packages. Like what, yeah, who, who do you look up to? Who do you follow? And I guess who's taught you the most in sales? Um, I like Grant Cardone, Alex Hormozzi, Jeremy Miner, you know, all, all the standard guys, I guess. But I always say to people, you know, if a conversation with a wise man is worth 20 books. So books, audio books, it's all good videos, all that sort of stuff. But um, the quicker way is just ask someone who's read that book and just be like, what were your three key takeaways? Um, and when I was, when I was operating, I didn't have time to, learn i was i was too busy in the day to day so i had to come up with ways to grow my skills and develop through trial and error and you're calling people and being like look as we are today having a conversation if i can learn one thing off you today then it was worth our 30 to 45 minutes however long i'm going to be on for right but if it takes you two weeks to read a book is that worth your time 
Yeah, I'm not a big book fan. I'm just like, who's the best? Ask them questions and, and learn from them. That's so, mate, it. you being a successful personal trainer, like typically we speak with the majority of gym owners that are group gym owners. If you're a cert for personal training, you've just finished your qualifications, you have zero clients, what is your advice to them to go from zero to fully booked as fast as possible? Well, if, if you come out of your course and you're expected to be a business owner, you simply don't have the skill set. You know, you, you're not even a good trainer yet. So how are you expected to learn how to, you know, source leads, market, sell, retain, manage systems, um, run events, whatever it is that, you know, we, we all know that we need to, to accomplish as a business owner. Um, how are you expected to do that? fresh out of your course or if you've changed career or even if you've got a year's experience how are you meant to do that take payment um price package there's so many things um coaching you know we could go on and on but seek mentorship and do you think a big box club's a good environment do you think going to your typical fitness first your virgin your vision personal training and, and learning under someone is, is the best way well, take Fitness First. Now, I live in Bondi and I went to Fitness First Platinum at three o'clock once for a, for a consult. I thought, oh, I can walk there. It's, you know, it's easy. There must have been 100 people in there. And I was even intimidated. I've been in the industry for eight years at the time. So I can't imagine what it's like for a new trainer to go into that environment or even clients to go into that environment and you know, they're waiting on equipment and it stinks as well. And all of those things is, and that's where we become quite lucrative because they're paying for exclusivity. You know, if I might have two or three trainers on each afternoon and you could be one of six people in the business at that one time, that's, that's exclusivity. It's like having, it's a lot of privacy. You're not, you know, waiting for equipment. It's, it's right there. Um, but in terms of learning, that, that is what Vision's all about. It takes the guesswork out for those trainers and we help them. Also program design and admin and it just takes Everything. away all the things that they don't know and they can learn and they can grow into. And then, you know, if they want to become a business owner down the track or go off and be a sole trader, then, then they can. But starting, you don't know what you don't know. So seek mentorship through people who have done it. Yeah, I think the personal trainers, my opinion, I could be wrong here. I think if you're a newly qualified PT, the first 12 months, you need to get good at coaching. You need to, you need to train clients, spend 40 hours a week training clients, and then year two, maybe lead gen, marketing, sales, retention, referrals. But, like, I can't even imagine, like, so, like, I, I, you, I, you I can't get clients. If you can't market or sell, who are you going to coach? Correct. And yeah. that's why the average PT only lasts four months because you just said it there, Jamie, and you're not, you're not wrong in saying that they should focus on coaching. But if they can't market or sell, who are they going to coach because they haven't got any clients? Yeah, which is where I think a big box or a vision is actually not a bad environment for them to go into at the start just to learn the ropes. I say this almost every podcast, but one of the most valuable experiences for me, mate, was working at Fitness First Chatswood 2012. It was my first job in fitness, and I thought like every personal trainer – People just want to sign up and pay me. And I went to Fitness First and I saw this big sales board. It was leads, bookings, whatever else it was, but it was like a boiler room. I thought, oh, this is what fitness is. 
And it was such a rude shock to my system. And it was almost like the, the best three-month mentorship program of like, well, what to do and then and what not to do. Yeah. You certainly come a long way, mate. So your new studio in Canberra, mate, being a division personal trainer, I've never actually seen a pre-sale run for a personal training studio. So educate me here, mate. What is the, how does a vision personal training open up? What's that, what's that journey like? So they'll basically have like, I know what I'm going to do, but they'll have like a foundation one release and then, you know, that gets sold out and then they do a second release and they might do that by organic marketing, creating business affiliations. But for me, I was, let's put the personal into personal training at the end of the day. We will go door knocking. Really? Yeah, why not? At the end of the day, if you have more conversations, make more sales. And what's better than going door knocking with three three questions, a little sheet, a survey, ask three questions and try and sell them into your intro offer or at least sell them into um, booking a consult. How long does it take to knock on 100 houses? You might knock on 100 houses, speak to 20 people and book five consults a day. Or you can sit behind your laptop real comfortable on Facebook and Instagram and hit and hope and spend money you don't have because, you know, with, with marketing, you've got two things and that's time or money. If you want to spend the money and sit back at home and do your ads, sure. But if you're opening a business with no clients, I think it's more frugal and a smarter move to just spend the time to build and hopefully open with 50 to 100 members and there's no better way than just getting in front of people. Yeah, I love that, mate. And I, I often shit on organic marketing. And when I'm shitting on organic marketing, I am talking about sliding into a random's DM and saying, hey, buy my shit. But there is something to be said about doing like literally outreach. And, and I think it'll be more effective today than ever before because no one's doing it. No one's doing it. It's grunt work. Um, but they can't ignore you. You're at the door. <laughs> Like someone can ignore a DM and sometimes it doesn't even reach them. Like if you're not their friend on Facebook or whatever, sometimes it doesn't even reach them. It sits in a message request. Um, And if you can be bothered, I'd rather walk, get my steps in and go and get in front of people. Um, Although we are going to be, the goal is to open two years, July the 1st. And if it's Canberra, you're looking at five degrees, um, eight degrees. But again, I don't care. Like, Hard work never hurt anybody at the end of the day. Um, if you're not That's prepared to put in that grunt work, then you shouldn't really expect the fruits of, of what business ownership can do for you. At the start, it's, it's going to be hard and you've got to do what others aren't prepared to do. I want to explore that word hard, hard mate, because it is perspective. And our first location in Curry Curry, the majority of our members were miners. And they will drive two hours to Musselbrook, spend 12 hours underground, drive two hours home. There's probably three to four deaths in the pit a year, like mining collapses. Like it happens a lot more than people think. That's hard. That is hard work, right? And I think as personal trainers, online marketers, I think we need to remove that word hard from the equation because what we do is is fairly enjoyable 90% of the time. And the other 10%, you can just suck it up and, and go door knock or, or learn how to market or do those calls. 
and just do what's required to grow your business. Well, that's the thing when you've, um, you know, I've got a few guys now, more senior guys that are starting to learn new skills. And it's like, you know, how many calls did you make today? Oh, yeah, 15. Okay, great. You've got the look and they want their own business too, right? You've got the luxury of a database of people to call. Your own business, day one, you got zero. So, and your bills are coming in. So, what are you going to do? Choose your heart. Like, it's hard to be broke. It's also hard to pull 60 hour weeks. Like, choose your heart. What's, what's worse, being broke or working hard and, you know, earning multiple hundreds of thousands a year and getting to a seven figure fitness business? What, what's better? Yeah, it's one thing I really respect about you, mate, because I don't know many, many gym owners that have been open for 10 years. It's super, super, super impressive. And, and the reason I say that is the majority of gyms are flash in the pans. They open up, they have a big pre-sale, and they crash and burn. So, mate, I actually don't know of any other personal training studio that's been open 10 years. It's not like, 10 years. We're now 15th year. I've just been there 10, but 15th year this year. The July 1, 2009 is when Vision PT Rose Bay was born, and I'm the third owner in that time. Fire out. That's amazing. And, and you think about the majority, like, like, like not bagging F45 here, but like the majority of them are opened less than three years. Really? Is that all? Well, like they only started in 2013 and like there's, I think like 18% of the network's for sale. Wow. Right. And that just shows the power of like, like obviously I, I come from the group training world, but it shows the power of personal training and the fact that you can have clients paying 277 a week. Or you can have six clients in group paying 50 a week. What What's easy to deal with? What's easy to manage? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, don't get me wrong. Most of our clients do two a week, one, five, seven. But as you mentioned, that's three and one. So, but it does hurt more when they're away. Of course, of course. I, I, I kind of have a thought, mate. There's a gym in Sydney. I think it's called The Locker Room, uh, run by a guy that run a podcast called The My Muscle Project. And I think they charge like 13000 for six months. Wow, and they are. Sm I think they're like like smack bang in the middle of CBD. But I think if I was to open a gym again, mate, I think I would try and aim for like fifty members. They all pay one fifty each. You have five people in each small group session, and just really keep it as small as possible. And just it solves your lead generation problem. It solves your nurture problem. It solves the retention problem. It solves having to deal with people that you don't want to work with. Yeah, I don't know how many members you need in your business or you have capacity for, like for us, two, 250 would be absolute max. We're currently at 180. So there's plenty of opportunity of growth. Um, the most we've ever had is 200. Um, mm -hmm. But 225 would be fantastic. 250 would just be out of this world. But that's not, it's not that hard. Like, you know, but if you're trying to get to four, 500 plus big box gyms, 700 to 1200, 1500, and they're paying 20 bucks a week. It's, you know, you've yeah. got to sell 30 people a week and hope you only lose 25 to grow, but you're growing by $30 per head. Whereas we're only trying to sign up. If we, if we lose two clients a week and sign up four, we grow by two. At the end of the year, that's 100 more members. I mean, I wish it was that simple. Um, <laughs> It's very, very challenging. COVID really smacked us, but you know, this, it's not as difficult. No, it's, it's funny, mate. I think your stand. I think you said it before that you don't understand why people don't work hard. I think your standards are just so high because 180 members for a PT studio is astronomical. Because the majority of gym owners that I meet that have about 50 members. 
Well, like group. And, yeah, 50 group members. So between probably between like 50 and 70 is probably the average for most gym owners that I meet. And it just comes down to like the basics of just like they're not they're not doing the level of activity required to, to grow their business. And yeah, yeah. 180 minutes astronomical. And our retention is actually currently 60%. So that's pretty good for PT. Um, my goal's always been 66%. So you keep in two out of three clients. Um, I wouldn't know about group trainings retention. I have no idea if they do six, 12 month contracts beyond that. I don't know how it works. Yeah. Um, so just, just to be clear, just so I'm, I'm clarify. So what do you mean by the retention? So they sign like a 12 week personal training package and they renew. So the network as a whole, they might sell six or 12 month programs for us. We've never done it because when you're training lawyers, chief execs, business owners, <laughs> they don't yeah. like to be strong armed and feel, and if you do your job properly in, you know, your price presentation, what you presented, if you solve their problem, all right, James, so you want to lose 20 kilos, mate, that's going to take nine to 12 months. You don't need to sell six or 12 month programs because the problem you help trying to fix, you give an honest assessment and professional assessment. It's going to take you nine to 12 months. If you see a PT three times a week, if you see them four times a week, it'll take you six months. Twice a week, it might take you 15 months. And then it decides it for you. So we just do weekly 30-day notice to stop anytime. Yeah, that's really interesting, mate. I think with PT, because there's such a level of accountability and support, it actually removes the need for a contract. When in, in group trip gyms, for example, you can have 50 members that aren't coming, and that just wouldn't exist in personal training world, I imagine. Oh, no. If, um, if our clients, we have retention meetings a couple of times a month, and you know, we're looking for red flags. Are they late? Are they missing sessions? Are they forfeiting? So are they not showing up? And if that's happening, we're calling them. Hey, what's going on? Are you all right? You've missed the last few sessions. Oh, I've just been tied up at work. I'll be there Monday. All right, cool. Or yeah, I just can't quite make it work. Like we lost someone this week. I, had to, I was trying to fight for her on email. Benny's in Thailand, so I'm covering him. It's like, I just can't find the time. She's a psychologist. Like, you know, we're open 14 hours a day. Monday, da, 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 da. Um, are you sure he can't make this work? Um, you know, why might you want to give this a go and continue on your journey with us? All those questions that obviously you and I are very accustomed to asking, but no good. And she wants yeah. to she wants to leave the studio and that's fine. Um, I don't know how long she's been with us. Like I'm not in there, but if they give it a go and they can't make it work that's fine but again it's it's then relying on your trainers to coach them because if you don't have two or three 30 minute slots a week and your pain is great enough like they've just got to do a better job to pull that out of them um, but some people they just think that signing up's enough people don't like perceived work unfortunately clients i mean and they don't it's going to take some work it's it's not easy to take 30 years, you know, we're working with older people, right? So they might have 30 or 40 years of poor habits and helping them break out of that. It's a lot harder than helping a 27 year old who's gained 10 kilos the last year because she broke up with her boyfriend or something. It's a lot <laughs> easier. Um, yeah, 100%. And, you know, someone that's been drinking four bottles of wine a week with their dinners to help them bring that down to one. Like that's very tough. Um, or your chief execs who love their scotch and 
you know, the Friday after work drinks and all these things, it's, it's challenging. Or when people have more money, they go out for these dinners and, you know, I, I don't think restaurants care about your body composition, just making your food taste great. So you come back and, you know, that's, that's a real opportunity. Mm. I think the biggest thing I've learned working with you, mate, I mentioned at the start of the podcast, that is every location is different. And a good marketing agency, a good coach, a good consultant will identify that, like, it is not the same way nutrition and training. It cannot be a one-size-fits-all approach. Like, every single gym is different. And, like, Rose Bay is probably the, the most unique gym that I've ever, ever had the privilege of working with because, like, it is literally the most affluent, affluent place in, in Australia, like I, I, I'm going to pull this stat out of my ass, but it would be top 50 in the world in terms of like price, like 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 cost to live there for sure. Yeah, my rent is astronomical, um, and that's why we have to charge what we do. Um, my rent's 159k a year for 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 your studio. Yeah, yeah, far out, man. Uh, <laughs> that, that's that's a lot. the highest in our network of 55 businesses. So. I can't afford to not take action. I can't afford to not sell programs because it costs me a lot of money to even run. Um, and just, just, just some comparison. What is the cheapest in the network? Do you any idea? There'd be some cheap rents out there, mate. Mortdale is like 42 K. Okay. okay. And that hurts hearing it. <laughs> um, when the owner's gloating, I'm like, God, you're a hundred over a hundred grand better off than me without even getting out of bed. That's, that's tough, but it is what it is. Like I chose this and, you know, you can't complain yeah. about the choices you make. There is just literally like there's pros and cons to everything because in the small town you have the cheap rent, but the audience is so small that you burn through the town within a matter of, literally a matter of months sometimes. And just it just shows it. It's been there for 15 years, mate. <laughs> it can't be doing too bad. Yeah, and another thing is, um, I don't know what the word is, but turnover rate, that's it living turnover rate so there's only a small percentage of people that can afford to live in rose bay vaucluse bellevue hill watson's bay north bondi our catchment area right dover heights um bondi beach like how's that cheap so the turnover rate of people moving into the area is extremely low and yeah, that's cool. something maybe that you know we haven't discussed before um so when you don't have new people coming in if they've seen you, heard of you, and they're not quite ready to come in or they haven't come in, then where's your new people to market to? Like when you're operating within a four or five kilometer radius, as gym owners do, you know, your marketing can get tired and fatigued. And you've got to, that's what I say, door knocking. If I had my time again, I would go door knocking. Um, we used to do outreach like, you know, dog parks, beach, even people walking, stopping in the tracks. Hey, how's your walk? And just try and get their names and numbers that way. Um, I grew to seven figures without even doing that. Really? Just hustle. Just hustle. Just hustle. Just get in front of people. Out there on the street. As one thing, like, yeah, it's, it's, almost, it's almost a lost art because I remember when I was working at Fitness First Chatswood and a few Genesis, it was all outreach. There was no ads. It was literally just like, literally like out the front of Westfield, Seven day free trial, seven day free trial, seven day free trial, and just call and call and call and get them in. What, what was your offer when you were growing with outreach? Um, I did loads of different things. We did 
seven days free, 14 days free, uh, one session free, two sessions free. You need, like you say, an LBE, you need a hook. It's a cold hook, right? Because they're not looking for you. If you get a website inquiry, they're on Google, they're searching. Facebook, Instagram, they're scrolling. They're not searching, they're stopped in their tracks. But people walk in their dog, that it couldn't be colder. So you may, yeah. you may need to offer something for free, but then your show rate goes down. Um, but one week, I just did this to show it could be done to my team that week. I went out, outreach, 18 leads in one week. And for PT, that's very high. Um, and what did I do? You know, I just said to myself, you're going to get three a day. There was one day where I only got two, but then I got four the next day to make up for it. But I'm very, if it takes you 15 minutes, great. But if it takes you three hours, just get it done. Um, you just have to that have that unrelentless drive to your own personal standards. And, you know, if, if you set yourself a standard, like I can't go home and on a Friday, Saturday, whenever you finish your week, Sunday, whatever, until I've got, X amount of consoles booked for the following week. I can't. That will hold you accountable to your own standards. And how can you not grow if you have that level of standards? Yeah, yeah, 100%. When I was doing pre-sales for Jim's Band, I did like four. My goal was one sign-up per hour at the shopping center. So I was out out the front of Coles stopping everyone. And my goal was one person per hour, eight a day, 20 days a month. I get 80 sign-ups per month in a pre-sale. And I was always number one. But like wow. I'd have days where I'd get one sign up. This is a very different time, mate. One sign up. I get like four sign ups in one hour, and then I'd just relax. But like I, I had to be on track for that one per hour. Same principle. If I didn't get, if I didn't get eight per day, I felt terrible, and I'd have to make it up the next day. And I think as business owners, like if you don't keep your standards, if you don't, you don't keep your words to yourself. Over time, your words start to mean nothing. You start to lose confidence in yourself, and then before you know it, your business is rapidly declining. And that transcends in your, into your team. You know, if it's group training, PT, whatever it is, if, if you don't have high standards and you let things slide, well, everyone around you will. And then the clients are not going to be, you know, in a, in a good environment. Um, you know, we had one of my senior guys today, oh, so-and-so struggling with time management. And it's like, there's a, you know, there's over-servicing and under-servicing. She would, took an hour to do a 30-minute session. And it's like, that's over-servicing. People pay for what they pay for. So if they get a 28-minute session when they pay for a 30-minute session, that's not good enough. But if you give them 60 when they pay for 30, that's also not good enough. That's over-servicing. So if, and then you just help them understand why it's important. And if you're not onto these things constantly, then yeah, I'll go in there because I don't work in there, but I'll go in there every now and again. I'll be cleaning the dust off the fans and even the stuff the cleaners will miss. And it's just that pride. You never, you know, the merchandise shelf, just make sure it's neat and everything's neat and tidy because those little one percenters mean something and they matter. And if you get all of those little things right, your team will just go, oh, well, this is normal. This is, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you start to miss your own little personal deadlines with, not how much behavior you make, but the results that you demand from yourself, then that will transcend into your team's behavior. And if not all of them, a handful. And if a handful of people are operating at a higher level, your business will also grow and operate at a higher level. 
Yeah, man, I love that. It's probably the most biggest thing I've taken from this podcast is like the owner. Obviously, we all know this, but you just have to lead by example. And it can start with going into your gym and cleaning the dust off the fan that the cleaner missed. And and that that goes down that goes down into every single trainer of like be on time, look tidy, be professional, send that message, send that email, reply to that lead, and basically just keeping your word. That's it, keeping your word to yourself. You know, I, I read something or maybe a video many years ago. A chief exec was looking for his next manager, and he left a can on a step in the entrance to the building. And whoever picked that can up, they got the job. And it's just little things like that. Like if there is a shit stain on the toilet bowl. Who the fuck's going to clean it? Like, it sounds stupid, but would you want your mum to walk into her bathroom back home because you visited and see that mess you've left? Well, your paying clients don't want to see that either. So what's the difference? Having that pride and the dust on the fans and making sure that the air cons are serviced yearly, all these things matter. Um, We had a light out. I went in the other Friday evening we had a light out straight on, to, straight on to my manager, but you know, you're know you onto it and you're making sure that these things are looked after and taken care of to make it a, a better environment for your, for your staff, but obviously for your clients. And I think that's why you've been there for 15 years, mate, because people treat their business like a hobby and you treat it like an actual business, which is really amazing. Yeah, you have to. It's like I always say to any staff member because your staff drive the standards right don't treat this place like your home treat it like someone else's because that's what it is because they may treat their own homes like shit like they may let their bin overflow and not not wash their uh leave pots and pans everywhere and that's like leaving equipment here there and everywhere on the studio floor and when you're operating a small space that causes problems it's a safety hazard and it's not conducive to a um an environment of cohesion so if you lead with that and teach that then you'll always get that 100 well mate i I gotta wrap it up really really enjoyed it all these podcasts go for half an hour they end up going for an hour so mate thank you so much for your time but mate, as i mentioned huge huge credit to you vision personal training 15 years in business mate that might be longer than video easy lasted (laughs) it really is it's been a pleasure and thanks so much for having me on You're welcome. Thanks, Aaron. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye.